In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So yeah, uh, our readings today are um, great readings to, to, uh, that have been used time and time again to misrepresent who God is and um, confuse us and create all sorts of hardships and stereotypes about, about God. And so now we'll try to um, unpack those and, and flip those around um, because, well, because, right, it's, 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 it's important. There's, there's about three or four sermons in here, but, and, and really a couple of Sunday school classes where you could talk rather than just um, preach. So we'll do the best we can, starting, starting with, if you love me, um, you'll keep my commandments. Which is not a transactional quid pro quo type of thing that, that Jesus is saying. This isn't, um, if, if you love me and you keep my commandments, then I'll love you back and all will be good, right? This isn't, this isn't the way that it is. It's the way it often gets represented in the world, um, partly, partly by just the image that it's, that it's really hard to break free from, that God is this old guy with a beard up in heaven, you know, sort of judging the world, waiting for you to sort of screw up a little bit, and every once in a while interfering into your life to either do good stuff or bad stuff, depending on how God sees fit, basically, right? And St. Peter's there at the pearly gates with your name, checking it twice like Santa Claus to see whether you get into heaven or not, right? This is how, this is how um, oftentimes we look at this, but instead this is, what Jesus is talking about is, is relational, right? This is, this is, Jesus already just washed the feet of his disciples, right? He's, he's taken off his robe, he's washed his, the feet, even though they're like, oh my golly, what are you doing for us? And Jesus basically says, I need to do this for you. If I don't do this for you, I don't have any relationship with you. And Peter's like, well, wash me all. And she's like, I don't need to wash all of you, Peter. You're so extra. Like, right? You're, but, but, I have to, but I have to wash your feet. And, you know, he washes the feet even of Judas. And then he, they say he celebrates the Passover with and it's this very intimate time. And after that, Jesus says, you know, you call me teacher and that's right. But I'm more than that. Right? Or you're, you know, and now I'm going to give you a new commandment. To love one another as I've loved you. And so this is the commandment that, that we're really talking about. And this is really like relationship. This is like parent-child, husband-wife, whatever, friends. You know, whatever you want of, of, do you, like, if I do this for you, will you love me? If I empty the dishwasher, will you think I'm great? If I mow the lawn, will you give me a, some cuddles? Right, I mean, this is, this is not transactional, right? It's, it's, you do things in relationships because of the love that you already have for one another. You do things in relationships because you have this. And so Jesus is basically just saying, if you love me, then you'll love me. Right? That's really the commandment anyway. 
If you love me, then you love me. And you'll love one another. And you'll love the people around you. And you'll love the world because the world is not going to see me much longer. You'll see me because you'll have the Spirit of God within you. But the rest of the world, they're not going to see me anymore and they're not going to know me. And so you need to love them if you love them. Read that, as we saw in 1 Peter. Proclaim the gospel to people with gentleness and respect. That's the way all Christians mostly treat people with the gospel is with gentleness and respect. Maybe not. <laughs> right? But that's how we're actually called to be gentle and respectful as we share. And why do we do this? Partly because they don't have the Spirit of God. Now, it can be frustrating, I suppose, as being one who has the Spirit of God and looking around the world and seeing evil and corruption and abuse and poverty and misfortune and all the go all the way down and go and get angry and stomp your feet and get mad instead of saying, the world does not have the Spirit of God. We need to love them so that they might know what the Spirit of God is. Because they can't see until we have, they have the Spirit of God. And so, there's another thing that Jesus is basically saying. When you, when you declare the Spirit of God for the world, and share the Spirit of God by loving and by keeping the commandments with the world, it's because that they might have the Spirit of God. Not so they get into heaven, right? Not so they're saved from the eternal hellfires or whatever nonsense American religion stuff that happened a couple hundred years ago. It's so that they can actually have the Spirit of God and know God's love now because we don't have a God that's off as old man in heaven. We have a God that's present, who's come into the world to be with us and to abide with us and to dwell in us. This is the God we have. This is the God we're invited to share. And this is the God we're invited to proclaim through love and through grace. And Peter says, and I'm sorry that sometime it's going to lead to suffering because the world doesn't know who God is. And so sometimes you're going to suffer. And one preacher said um, that, that every time he sees the, like the little two blessed distress hats he says, as he's talking about this passage, he says, I just want to rip it off people's heads and sort of stamp on it and set it on fire. <laughs> I, won't, I won't go that far. But, but the reality is what Jesus says and what Peter is saying is we're not too blessed to stress. It's even when we're stressed, we are still blessed. Because we still will be stressed. We still will be suffering. We still have to live in the world today. Jesus, um, remember on the night before he went, uh, before his arrest and went to the cross, was sweating blood. If you're sweating blood, I would say you might be stressed. This might be a stressful situation that you have in your life, right? And so it's the same sort of thing for us. We're not immune from stress. We're not immune from the world. But we have an advocate. We have a helper. We have the presence of God in us. 
and with us and through us. And this is the joy that we have. And, and Peter talks about it as, and you have baptism. Now it's a, it's a long way to get to baptism. We had to go through Noah and the flood and all sorts of things. And that's another, can be another gypsy doodle thing. And it's another thing where baptism, depending on, on your denomination, is, is either you, know, you make a confession of faith, you claim Jesus as your Savior, you do it all. Jesus on the sidelines clapping for you. He didn't do much of anything. I'm not picking on those. Maybe I'm picking on a little bit. But I mean, right, it's, but it sort of needs to be, be corrected a little bit. Is even if even if we're waiting in for us to have a mature response to faith in order to be baptized, it's still God who's doing the work, right? It's still God who's doing the saving. You're not saved through faith. You're not saved through baptized. You're saved through Jesus, right? That's the reality of all of this. But baptism, um, the point of baptism used as, as, as a saving grace, as salvation, a sign of salvation, is in its simplicity. Right? The, remember the story of Naaman, who had leprosy, and Gehazi came out to tell him. Um, so it wasn't even Elisha that came out to tell him. It was just he's like, sent his servant to go out and tell, tell the army leader of Syria, go dip in the Jordan River seven times. And, and Naaman was ticked. And you can imagine why he's took, because a couple of reasons. One, the prophet didn't even bother to come out himself. But two, this is not anything. The, the River Jordan is a junky, muddy creek. We've got great rivers back in Syria. I could have done something amazing. And in fact, that's exactly what Naaman's servant said to him. If the prophet would have said to do something amazing and go on some great quest, you would have done it. But because it's like simple, maybe you should just try it anyway. And of course he did and was healed. The point being that it was nobody but God who could have done that, right? It wasn't because you dipped in this creek. It was because it was so simple that it was God and, and Naaman declared the lordship of God right then and there. Baptism is the same way. It's water. It's simple. The Eucharist is similar. It's bread. It's wine. Anointing is oil. Our sacraments, all the sacraments we have, they are holy things now. God's made them holy now. But the beauty of them is in their simplicity. Their availability to everybody. Everybody has bread. Everybody has water. Everybody has wine that day, right? Everybody has oil in its simplicity. And God does amazing things with simple things. And nobody but God can do it. Who else can save by baptism but God? It isn't anything that we do. And this is what Peter is saying. You're saved through baptism. You're saved because God has saved you. You seek your identity in who Jesus is as the one who saves, not because you made this confession, or not because people responded positively to your sermon, or not because people responded positively this way or that way, or not because you're suffering or not suffering, but 
because of who God is dwelling in you through Jesus Christ. Um, and so I could go on and on and on, but I'm not going to. Um, but, but, but I do think these, these passages, you know, to talk about them are, are important because they do undo, they do lead to some of the, the things that divide us keeping commandments, keeping rules, baptizing infants or not, baptism being salvation or not, all of these things that we've set apart to make me not like you, when in reality it's the Spirit of God that dwells in each of us, and that Jesus says, please share with the world so that they might see too, that binds us together. And that makes us one. And uh, Paul, who who, who quoted, um, uh, like it wasn't wasn't the Bible that Paul was quoting in Acts. He was quoting like a poem of that day. But then Thomas Cranmer's taken it and thrown it in the prayer book. And so those of you who do morning prayer on a regular basis might recognize the colic for guidance. And we'll close with that. So let the Lord be with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in you we live and move and have our being. We humbly pray you so to guide and govern us by your Holy Spirit, that in all the cares and occupations of our life we may not forget you, but may remember that we are ever walking in your sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. And also with you.